Greetings, good morning, 11 o'clock service. Like Nathan said, my name is uh, Nick Serene, and I get oversee the worship ministry here at Anthem, uh, as well as spend a lot of time uh, in the trenches throughout the week, uh, just having good heart-to-heart conversations with a lot of the college guys, uh, as well as men on the community side of the church as well. We are a church that wants to help 1% of Columbia over the next few years know, love, and obey Jesus more and more, and so discipleship is how we are doing that, and so spend a lot of time of the week doing that, and every once in a while we get to come up here and preach, and so this morning it's fun to be able to do that, and uh, looking forward to seeing what God's Word would have for us in Philippians. Uh, but anyway, would love to start uh, this morning with a little bit of a story. Uh, a couple years ago, I uh, did some backpacking and day hiking out in the great state of Washington. If you haven't been there before, uh, free plug there for the state of Washington. Uh, Seattle, the, the mountains, the Pacific Ocean, great place to go uh, in vacation. And anyway, I was out there with a couple friends and doing some hiking with them. Uh, we, we had uh, done a couple days worth of backpacking and we wanted to just do something short. Uh, and so we drove up to this place called Church Mountain. And going there, uh, got out of the car, made it to the trailhead or whatever, put our backpacks on and sneakers on because boots would not have gone well there. Pretty much just zigzags all the way up the mountain. Switchbacks is what they're called in the hiking world. And anyway, so, so we make it three, three hours up the mountain, uh, just kind of this grueling, like, slow pace because, well, that's what you got to do a lot of times when you are going up an incline. And uh, make it out of the trees and, and into kind of just a grassy Meadow, kind of think like Sound of Music. If you've seen that before, you can see some snow-capped mountains and then green valleys in front. And and I had been there before, so walking out there, I knew, all right, this is glorious. I love this picture, love seeing Church Mountain. But I knew when I turned to my left, I was just going to see this huge expanse, mountaintop after mountaintop after mountaintop. And as I looked out at that, it was just like time stopped, mesmerizing. This is God displaying through his creation, his handiwork, his beauty, and we lowly people ought to serve that God. And so keep that in your mind, and then also think, what if I would have left Missouri, gone to Washington, did all the driving, make it up to the top of the mountain after hiking up there? What if I would have done that and it was all fog? Disappointment, right? That would have been unimpressive because I had been there before. That would have been really frustrating because, like, man, I just want to see this panoramic view. I want to see God's glory through mountaintops. And if that would have been fog, that would have been marring the beauty behind it. And that same sort of picture is exactly what we as humanity have done. Because from the beginning, we too, as people, were to display God's glory, his handiwork, through what we say, through what we do, through how we interact with other people. But we, too, have this marring fog since the fall of man where we don't always do a great job of that. And for some people, it's, they, they kind of punt on the idea that God has designed the world. They punt on the idea that, that God might call us to display his image, his glory through how we live. And much of the world kind of lives with godlessness, just, hey, I, I'm not sure about God, and therefore I'm just going to kind of ignore if, if sin's a reality or not worry about it. My life, my choice sort of attitude, and that's a, a lot of who we have been before, and that's a lot of what we see around us. There's others who are overperformers, where it's like, man, if I can just kind of have this karmatic perspective where I know I have all this sin 
in my life, but I'm just going to overwork, and I'm going to try to project through all the good things that I do where I can help other people see God through my good deeds. And it's overperformance. And there's others who kind of pretend that it's not there, and it's, it's pushing it away. It's pushing it under the rug. It's not admitting that sin is there. And for those, it, it tends to be more so in the darkest seasons, just isolating self, pulling away from church community, pulling away from others. Because there's that gut feeling that, yeah, I'm not living well, but I'm, I'm just going to pretend that that's not a reality. And that's the tension that we feel. Because we know we have this high capacity, this beautiful capacity that God has given us to project his glory in a way that's even further than mountains. But then we have our daily struggles. And so what we're going to see in Philippians 3 is that God has a design, has a plan for us to be made whole in him. No matter where we've come from, we who have said, yeah, I want to follow after Jesus, who have surrendered ourselves before him, are following after him, we are called to be made whole. And so the, the topic this morning as we dive into this text is simply how to become whole people by taking hold of Christ so that we might be able to, like the mountains, project God's glory and goodness to the world that we live in, to our workplace, to our family, to our friends. Through how we live, we're helping other people see a picture of God. And so I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to be in Philippians 3 uh, with one another. So, Lord, uh, we just come before you knowing that we are broken. We've made mistakes. We have great motives sometimes, God. But we fail. And so, Lord, we turn to your word. We turn to you as our guide. And, God, I just pray over these next few minutes that you call us to clear the fog. And you also, Lord, call us to climb forward in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll go ahead and turn to Philippians 3 if you're not already there and uh, give a little bit of the context, the story uh, so far. Paul, the, the writer here, likely writing from a prison in Rome, likely underground, writing by candlelight, sitting in his own waist. Not a great scenario, but is writing this letter of instruction and encouragement and somehow writing a letter that is full of joy and this light-hearted language at times of what we can have and the Lord. And so Paul has penned it. He's writing it. This letter would have likely been circulating throughout many of the local churches at that time. And he's sending it to a group of people in Philippi. People of Philippi uh, had just a, a lot of different things that were steering them away from the Lord. And so Paul is writing some instruction to them so that they would be people who also would have this desire to be made whole. And so let's read Philippians 3, uh, 12 to 16. And as we're doing so, look how, how Paul had this desire to clear the fog, clear the sin in his life, and also climb forward in faith. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. 
first commitment we're going to see in Paul's example and in what he's communicating is that the fog would be cleared. We can see it right out of the gate. Verse 12, he is recognizing this sin, this brokenness, this gap between the light of Christ and the darkness in his life. He's noticing that gap and bringing it up. Verse 12, I haven't obtained this. I am not perfect. And we see him just, this missionary, this church planter, who had been walking with the Lord for years at this point, sending a letter to encourage, to challenge, to direct, is also being open and honest about this ongoing struggle within him to look more and more like Christ, to be made whole in Christ. And so not out of arrogance, but out of humility, he's bringing others in on this journey in his life and in the life of the believers of the church that were reading this letter, that were called to be made whole. And so he recognizes the fog, the imperfection. But in the same breath, verse 12, he clarifies his sonship, his identity, his union with the Lord. Christ has made me his own. We can look at verse 8 and 9, what Matt talked on last week. He had gained Christ. Though he had been someone who had much, much sin in his past, Christ had interceded in his life and he had given himself to the Lord to be used as a testimony of God's goodness going forward. And he becomes a son of the Lord through that relationship in this covenant union. And as I was looking at that passage and thinking about that relationship that we have with God, it's important to notice that, yeah, we are to be humble, but we are to also notice where our identity is. And that is a confident thing. We are sure in the Lord. And as I was looking at that, I couldn't help but think of also marriage unions, right? Someone that says, you know what, I want to stand before someone else, commit myself to them before the Lord, before a congregation, displaying this lifelong relationship in pursuit of another. And what comes with a marriage covenant, but also vulnerability, There's a different way you interact on day one and day 100 and day 1,000 of marriage that was different than when you were dating. And so I've been married for four months, not super long. I don't have it all figured out. But as I've stepped into that marriage union before the Lord and before others, there's a whole new level of vulnerability and openness. There's confidence. We have this covenant union before the Lord, but there's also this openness and realness between myself and my wife because we have the sure covenant, knowing though that we're still caught in this sinful world where, we, where I might have to show up and confess how I haven't been leading well. And so it's that same sort of union that Paul has in the Lord. And he's saying, yeah, I'm confident, I'm sure in my faith, but I'm also open and vulnerable before the Lord, before the Lord's people, so that I might be able to strain ahead. And so Paul has this broken and teachable spirit so that he can continue on this journey to be made whole in Christ. Let's read again verse 13. See that he's not only wanting to recognize the fog, the sin, but also to deal with it. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So he's affirming like the Lord has pursued me. I'm in relationship because of him. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Some of your versions there in verse 13. 
might say neglect or lose from my mind that which is backwards for that which is behind me. When we first hear that, like, at least when I was reading through it, I was getting pretty excited about the straining forward part. And I thought, oh, so we're just supposed to forget the past and then strain forward and then go. But as I was zooming in on Philippians 3 and just Paul's life in general as he's writing letters to other churches, the man did not just forget what lies behind him. He approached it, recognized it, brought it before the Lord, and used it for God's glory in sharing his testimony with others. Like Philippians 3 right here, he's saying... Okay, forget what lies behind. But then we see what he was doing in the first 10 verses that Matt talked about last week. He's being real about the sin of his past. And so it's as if he's, he's picking up his past, acknowledging, yeah, I was full of sin. There was darkness. There was this fog surrounding me. Met Jesus. And so I need to forget that in part because that's not who I am anymore. But I also need to deal with some of this back here and the sin in my life now so that I might be able to strain forward. And so when it's, saying forget what lies behind it's not factory reset delete forget about it but it's transferring that sin to the lord and, and the cross to deal with and then using that change that transportate transformation our testimony as we move forward in faith and so two keys to infer from the life of paul he recognizes the fog but he also deals with it 1 Corinthians, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. He admits up front, I was a religious snob. I was someone who thought that I had all the right answers. I thought that I understood God's word completely. He had huge sections of scripture memorized, but he had no relationship with the Lord. And actually, Jesus in coming to earth, he saw Jesus as a heretic, and it was part of his job within kind of the Jewish synagogue to look out and think, oh, how can we stop this message of Jesus going forward? And he played a very active role, as we can see in Acts 7, played a very active role in keeping early Christians from going forward as he was one who persecuted, who killed people within the church. And as we know, later in Acts, he has that salvific moment before the Lord where he's made right before the Lord through a relationship with Jesus. And there's that change and, and life begins to look different. He begins to be made whole. And here he is all these years later before the Lord, before man, still being honest about that need for growth, that need for confession. And so how to deal with the fog, but through confession before God, before others. He writes in Romans 7, likely Paul writing this letter, for I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. He's acknowledging this struggle with what Matt referenced and scholars have referenced in the past is this unholy trinity. He's admitting, yeah, there is darkness. There's a spiritual warfare in the world. There's, there's the general brokenness of the world. There's our sinful temptations and lusts of our flesh. There's the active work of Satan in our world now as well. And so Paul is admitting, even I as a missionary, even I as a church planner, I'm looking to be made whole in Christ. For while the longer I live, the grayer my hair gets, the more godly I'm going to become. It's not this 
moment of salvation at age seven and then be the same person until 77. It's this lifelong pursuit of being made whole in Christ. In layman's terms, it's kind of this, he goes back, works through his sin in order to go forward. Got to go back to go forward. We have to notice the sin that we've been in, see the sweetness of Christ and, and, and move on in faith. And so he recognizes the fog, allows the light and heat of Christ to enter his life through confession, and he goes forward. And if you're like, okay, you've already said the word fog like 75 times, we get the analogy. The analogy is being used because that's kind of that eerie, dark feeling of what sin is. Fog just kind of comes up out of nowhere sometimes. And sometimes it sits for a long time. It's kind of got this like haunting and, and ominous feeling. And, and that's what sin is. It's the, the things that eat us alive from years ago that really bother us. It's the things that we maybe are hiding now. The fog of sin, the thing that's marring us from being able to project God's glory with our thoughts and our lifestyles. And so fog is the same thing we wrestle with every given day, just as Paul. Clearing the fog is clearing the gap between darkness and light. It's working out with the Lord our salvation all our days long. So Paul's inviting the, the early church in Philippi to do the same. So we can be made whole in Christ through confession. And as we confess, as we clear the fog, then, then it equips us day after day to keep climbing forward. Let's look at verses 14 to 16. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Verse 14 in the Greek, it's communicating, give yourself to the goal by resting in, resting among Jesus. And so it's not just this clearing of the fog and then moving on, never thinking about that relationship with the Lord anymore. It's this ongoing movement in your life where it's like through this ongoing communion with Christ, you go forward. We can see in verse 16, that same sort of theme, holding true to what we have attained, this keeping in step, this marching on while also holding to Jesus by what we've received. And so it's kind of this two-legged reality of climbing where it's, yeah, we, we need to clear the fog. We need to be confessing our sins before the Lord, before others. But as we're the living life, as we're climbing forward, there is this communing first leg that needs to happen, this daily abiding in Christ. In John 15, we can read, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what Paul is clarifying is you don't just come to the foot of the cross and dump your dirt, your drama, your past right there. And then walk and forget about the relationship with the Lord you began. But it's this ongoing fellowship with the Lord. And sure, Scripture calls us to come and die. Die to ourself, die to our agendas, die to our old identity. But there's also this call, clearly, in, in John 15, that we also are coming to dine. That we are meeting with the Lord. That we're resting in him. The, the phrase in Christ comes up all over 
in the New Testament because that's implying we're not to be walking alone in this. We don't just dump and run. We confess our sin before the Lord and in Christ move forward. And so our motives as believers should be to not only confess our sin, but to be in relationship with the Lord. Kind of reminds me of when I was a student growing up, and I, I would just say and do different things in the classroom at times to try to get on the good side of the teacher so that I could get a good grade. And then I became a teacher and did that for a couple of years, and I could always like figure out who that student was. Like, oh, nice, you're just being nice to me so that you'll get a better grade. Great, Billy, like, good job. I can't read into that. Oh, I can't. Or think of the, the, the mixed motives that we have. Maybe it's a, a parent-child relationship. The kid's cleaning the dishes at 16 just so he can get the car keys. It's like he's not doing that because he's communing with you or loves you. He's doing that because he wants the car. Or, or in relationships. Man, maybe if I just love this person just enough, we're going to feel really close, and then they're going to want to do things. So I'm just going to come across as really warm and friendly. Or maybe it's, oh, I'm going to send my kid to college. I just really love him. And part of that is got to keep the, the family name respectable. I want people to know, oh, yeah, our last name, it, it's ringing true. We're good people. So in a similar way, that's what Paul's kind of approaching here is we don't just come and confess our sins before the Lord with some sort of cheap grace so that we can have salvation and security in him. But we enter into a communing relationship with the Father. In light of our union with him, we're also communing. And so part of moving forward in the faith and towards the prize is communing with Jesus. The second aspect of kind of this two-legged reality of climbing forward is that we chase after the prize. We can look in verse 13, and it uses language of straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. Strain forward, stretching forward, reaching forth, pursue, follow after, give yourself to reach, go forward to what? It says, to the prize, the upward call of God. It's the high invitation into experiencing God's kingdom. In part now, here on earth, through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we get to enjoy the kingdom. We get to enjoy the kingdom of God right now in part. We have this kingdom in full to look forward to where someday we're going to be united with him, no longer marred by any sin, completely made whole. We have that to look forward to. That's actually what much of the text next week will be talking about. We have that citizenship in, in heaven to look forward to. But there's also this kingdom in part that we get to enjoy now as believers so that we might be able to climb on with Christ, showing the world his glory through who we are, through us being made whole. We can look at 1 Thessalonians, a letter that was written to the people of Thessalonica, and see this, this push to experience God's kingdom through looking more like the king. Now may the God of peace himself, so through the work of the Lord, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So part of climbing on in our faith and displaying God's image is us being sanctified. To where, like I said earlier, it's like when we're seven, if we gave our life to Christ there, then it's this lifelong pursuit to that when we're 77 and we're, we're 
you know, getting to that part of life where it's like, man, uh, I don't know how much time I have left. We're looking holier and holier and more like Jesus. And so a believer is to look more like the king. That's part of chasing after the prize. But it's also this idea of inviting others into his kingdom. Second Timothy, Paul wrote to an early church leader, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So part of chasing after the prize, it's experiencing the work of God in us where we're being made more whole in him. But it's also bringing others in to the glory of God's kingdom in part now through our witness, through sharing the good news of Christ. It's what Paul is depicting to the people of Philippi. Is that we need to work through our fog. We need to work through our sin. And as we're doing that, in joy, we also get to move forward in faith, experiencing the goodness of God through his community. In Genesis, God talks about us displaying his image. That's what humanity is here for. And then we we read the words of Paul and we see this morning, we are being guided to clear the fog in our lives so that we would be able to return to God's original design for us to beautifully, consistently, even when we're tired, even when we've dealt with stress or drama in our past, we partner with the Lord, we commune with him, we confess before him, we enter into his community and we climb forward in faith. That's what the, the text this morning, like I said, like I wanted to look at it and say, yeah, we just need to look forward and run, and that's fun. This is going to be a good, fiery time where we just get inspired to move forward. But we also need to wrestle with the past. We cannot just forget what lies behind us. We have to acknowledge who we've been, what our identity used to be, and we have to bring that before the Lord. And by the grace of God, his work in us then ends up becoming this beautiful witness of our Savior. And that's the part that is so fun to watch happen in our college ministry, our church community, people giving their life, entering on that journey of being made whole in him. As I was thinking about just that hike that I did, I I, I could have got there to the top and looked out and there, there were, be fog and I could have been happy because I know that kind of the, the process of the world is that in time that fog would have lifted and I probably would have hung out, hung out up there until it was gone. Light and heat get rid of the fog and that's the same light and heat of the sun of Jesus alive and at work in us that can resolve and redeem any fog, any sin in our life, any ongoing present struggle Anything from years ago that we'd never want to work through, we wouldn't want to bring before the Lord, we wouldn't want to bring before others. That fog can be dealt with. The sin can be cleared. We can use that in faith going forward to be witnesses of our Lord. And so this morning, for, for some of you, it, it, the step of obedience may be conversion. Admitting, I have been a sinner my whole life. I actually... 
I can totally relate to, you know, that, that part in the beginning where we were supposed to display a certain thing, but then I've just actually lived a life of sin. And all I've done is really marred this picture that God called me to. If you're walking in sin and darkness, the, the message in here is that there is hope in the Lord. We can be made new. We, like Paul, in verse 12, we can experience newness in Christ. Be part of his family, and it's through confessing before the Lord that we're sinners, that we're in need of a Savior. And some of you in here this morning, that is a step of obedience. But for a lot of us, maybe some of you who were church kids growing up and you've been going to church ever since, the, the call is to be made whole in Christ through confession, through working through present sin, past sin, so that we may be able to better display God's glory and goodness. Maybe it's sin from years ago. Maybe it's attitudes towards your spouse. Maybe it's some addiction, some lure of success. Or maybe it's someone else's fog that's actually entered into your world, and it's your bitterness and hatred towards them for what they said or what they did. And even that, we're called to confess before the Lord. Because God calls us to be reconciling people. There was a Puritan author years ago who said, search your heart with candles. Labor to find out your sins. Enter into your closet and consider what evil have I lived in? What sin have I lived in against my brother? Do not stand looking at your sins. Cast it out as poison, lest they will open hell for you and pile up fuel to burn you. Away with them, crucify them, and let Christ only be Lord of you, only Christ can make us more than conquerors. Only Christ can take our drooping, dying, sinful souls and put restoration in that. So as we look at Philippians 3, let's get excited about the fact that we get to press on. We get to move forward. We, we have heaven to look forward to. We have this kingdom in part to experience here on earth. But we also have this call to work through sin, to confess it before him. And there's joy in that too because, oh, the freedom that we can experience in being real, being vulnerable, being open before the Lord and others displays the gospel better than anything else. That change, that transformation through the work of the Spirit. So how do we, like glorious mountains of the earth, rid the fog and, and display God's glory? It's through obtaining this purging grace that can be found in the light of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we look at your word, we look at Genesis, and we know that you created this world. We look at our lives, and we know that we are part of Adam, we are part of Eve, and that we too are sinners. And God, I pray that we wouldn't just be people that get excited about what's to come, but that we would also be people who put ourselves before you in your word and the Holy Spirit to be sculpted, to look more like you, to be made whole by clinging to Christ. So Lord, I just pray over every individual in this room, young, old, adopted son or daughter or not, and I just pray that Philippians 3 would, like a razor, cut to the heart. Revelations of just things in their life, and God, would you intercede in that and redeem. 
We thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross that we can have salvation in you. And God, we do thank you for the, the day to come. We can enjoy you forever in Jesus' name. Amen.